This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church podcast. For more information about us, who we are, and how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org. Today's message is delivered by Pastor Ethan Lumen. What in the world am I going to do with my life? It's hard to believe it was 15 years ago that I was applying to colleges and trying to figure out what I wanted to study, what degree I would pursue. I had no idea. I had no idea what I was going to do. And, you know, some of my teachers had some thoughts and opinions about where I could head and what I could do. My parents didn't really push me in any specific direction, left it open to me. I only applied to like three colleges, and, and uh, one of them, I, I guess I had an incomplete transcript, so it didn't even, I don't know, I, I, was, I took it as a sign from God that he just didn't want me to go there. It was either that or laziness, I don't know which. But I decided at the end of the day to go to Concordia University, Wisconsin, just down the road here, and, uh, and enroll in biology, because I thought, well, what can be more versatile than a degree in biology, right? And uh, what in this world am I going to do? It's not just as you go off to college, right? You've got to wrestle with that question. It's as, as we live our lives here in this world, so many different aspects where we're wondering, you know, how in the world do I live? And, and we can be driven by our own vision, our, our own wants and, and desires, but we can also be driven by fear, anxiety, the uncertainty of, of what the future might hold and, and trying to keep ourselves safe and protected from that scary future. But we can be guided by uh, the expectation of other people, can't we? The hopes and dreams that other people have for us. There's a lot that can guide us as we try to live in this world. What in the world are we supposed to do with these lives we have? I think Paul said it clearly in Colossians 1. He said it this way, live out God's glory for the world. Now as we unpack that, we could look at Mark 13, and, and Jesus kind of just said it all straightforward, right? The world's going to be terrible. You're going to suffer. Your family might even hate you. There's going to be liars talking in my name. And you might even die, but it's okay. The one who endures to the end will be rescued. But, so go back, read Mark 13, and I guess that's, that's all you need. Paul has a bit of a different approach as he talks about how to live in the world. And the first thing he does is he starts with his own story. As he unpacks Colossians chapter 1, he starts by sharing how he himself lives for God's glory and how he, tries to stri- he strives to guide others to do the same. So he starts off there in, in Colossians 1. He says, I rejoice in my sufferings. I'm suffering for your sake. and I'm filling up in my flesh what's lacking for the sake of the church. So it, <clears throat> it's interesting, you know, Paul, as he writes this letter, he's in prison literally physically suffering for being a Christian, persecuted, and and life was not good for him physically. But I think there's another aspect of suffering, which you might be familiar with too, as as you think about the the psychological or or the mental and emotional suffering uh, which you endure for those you love. Maybe a a family member who's sick or or a child who's who's struggling with something, you, you yearn for them, and there's it's, it's suffering, it's, it's pain, it's affective, right? More so than physical. 
Um, but that, that's the suffering Paul is talking about as well, that, that he's suffering for the sake of these people, and it's actually making him a better leader. It's filling up that, that lack, right, in himself as he looks to bless God's people, the church. And, and he said that you know, God has appointed him to this role of, of minister or, or leader or deacon within the church, and it's his, uh, it's his job, I guess, to suffer for others. Leaders suffer for their communities as parents suffer for their children as, uh, as they live out that calling. And, and so for Paul, he said that, that his job, his responsibility in the stewardship of God's kingdom, now the word stewardship is the same as economy, interestingly enough. Right? So as God runs his economy, those at the top have to suffer <laughs> for those over whom they watch. So um, Paul is suffering as he's trying to make clear among the nations the glorious mystery of God's kingdom. That's what he says there. He's trying to make the word of God fully known, that this mystery that's been hidden. See, God, God doesn't work straightforward. It'd be nice if he did, right? If he just kind of like was here among us and, and spoke himself, and that would be great. It would make everything super clear. But, but God has a different way of working in this world, and he's appointed some to speak his word and make that mystery known. And, and this is the great mystery that Paul was trying to make known. Christ is in you. And that is the hope of real glory. Let's unpack that a little bit. Because there's a lot in our world that, that we seek after for glory, isn't there? Kind of like a, that, all those achievements, the, the medals that we can hang on our figurative wall, right? The, the achievements we can uh, garner, uh, MVP trophies we can, we can talk about. There's the, the wealth and the riches that we can try to achieve and that can bring us some hopefully momentary uh, glory and prestige, the, the honor that this world has to offer. There's a lot of things we can pursue to try to find glory in this world. But none of them last. Do they? All the things that this world leads us to for glory, it doesn't last. And what Paul is saying is, Christ is in you, and that's the real hope of glory. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Christ in us is glorious. I mean, Jesus, he, he died on a cross. That doesn't seem very glorious, right? He, he suffered. Uh, he said the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. There was nothing glorious about him, right? How is this our picture of glory? Christ in you. Well, the life of a Christian, as Paul said, is a mystery. He's revealing the mystery, right? So the life of a Christian is a mystery, and it's a mystery even to many Christians. Am I right? It's a mystery for us. What does it mean to live out this Christian life? That Christ is in us. How do, we, how do we make that a reality? How do we live that out, Christ in us? Well, it means to anchor ourselves to the cross. It means that, that the cross of Jesus comes to um, define our moves in this world. It, it is that uh, everywhere we are in the world, Christ goes with us. Where you are, so is Christ. As you, you know, and 
in our lives, we can, you know, we can be hoping for such great things, but, but it's often in those moments of, of weakness and, and struggle where we, where we find ourselves most closely connected to Christ. He's in the moments of, of glory and, and all the moments of our lives, but it's especially oftentimes those moments of, of pain and, and heartache and heartbreak where we're like, Jesus is here. Jesus is in our midst where we realize that our only glory, our only hope is Jesus. Paul is saying that's the mystery he's working to reveal in this world. And not just to reveal, but he says in verse 28, we're proclaiming Jesus and we're warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone maturing Christ. So he lays out exactly what he's trying to do, warning and teaching. Now that word warning is really... um, it's like leading to think properly. Might be a better way of thinking about that. Basically what Paul's trying to say is he wants to help everyone think through what it means to be a Christian. What it means to believe in Jesus. To put everything through the lens of the life and death and resurrection of Christ. And, you know, there's, not, there's no question that Paul's afraid of. Right? There's no concern that Paul's not ready to address. And we can be, we can kind of feel fearful sometimes. Like maybe... Does God have something to say about this? Or, or we hear something uh, in, in the world, or in like, how do, we, how do we deal with this? And we can, be, we can be a little fearful or uncertain on how to maybe even ask the questions or, or bring it up. And Paul's like, no, everything. I want, I want people to be able to process through everything. He says, so that I may present them mature in Christ. And that word mature, it means complete and, and whole. That he wants... He wants people to be unified in who they are. You know, Paul's vision is not for people to have a happy life. It's not even for you to have a good life. Paul's vision is that you have a whole life in Christ, that everything fits together. All parts of who you are, from work to online to home to community, everything fits together in one whole in Jesus that it all coheres and and makes sense. That's what it means to be mature and and complete. And that's what Paul is yearning for, for his people. He says there in verse 2, he says, I'm I'm toiling after this, and I'm I'm agonizing and struggling by God's power to do this, to present people as mature. If you remember from last week, Paul talked about how Jesus presents us as holy, holy, and blameless and above reproach in Jesus. Uh, he presents us that way to God, right? And it's not because we're holy. It's not because everything we've done is blameless and above reproach. In fact, you probably did something this morning that was not holy. Am I right? You did something this morning that you should get blamed for. Uh, that makes you not above reproach. But our, our, our status before God is based on Jesus' holiness. He's presented us to God as holy. And Paul's saying then that he's going to present us to Jesus, or the believers in his time, to Jesus as mature. And then the next step would be to say, we as Christians then are presenting the mystery of God to the world. Jesus presents believers to God. Paul presents believers as mature and complete to Jesus. And we, believers, present Jesus to the world through our lives of faithfulness. This is what we agonize for. 
You know, after, uh, after I graduated high school, all my classes selected for the fall, ready to go off to Concordia, we were making a trip, uh, my youth group and I, down to um, Myrtle Beach. And it was a trip we did every year. And, and on the way, the, the, one of the pastors asked me, he said, Ethan, have you ever thought about being a pastor? No. Who thinks about being a pastor? I never thought about it. But, but then I was. And something, something clicked within me as he asked me that question. He's like, that's it. That is what God has created me to do in this world, to be a pastor. And that's what Paul is, is trying to get across in, in this section of his letter, that, that he's been appointed to be a pastor. He's been appointed to suffer and agonize and, and strive that other people might be um, assured and, and confident in their hope in Jesus. You know, it was interesting, looking back, that pastor, he didn't tell me at all what it meant to be a pastor. <laughs> he didn't share the, the agony and the struggle that, that comes along with it, the yearning for the well-being of others, you know. And I've been a pastor for six and a half years, and I'm still kind of learning what it means fully to be a pastor. But I can... I know that there's nothing else I can imagine doing with my life that would be as meaningful, as fulfilling, as building up other people and encouraging the hearts of Christians to become complete and see their lives as whole and ordered in Christ. You know, that's what Paul is trying to say to these Colossians. He say, I care about you guys and I want what's best because the reality is there's not a lot of people that care about us and want what's best. Am I right? As, as, as we look out in the world, you know, there's a lot of talk about love and justice and, and kindness, and, and those are great things. But the more, the more I think about it, the more I hear these things, the more I, I'm led to believe that these things are just uh, marketing campaigns and, and slogans. Everyone just in a search for more money and, and data to provide you with more marketing and products to make you feel more glorious in and of yourself, right? To lead us away from the truth of Christ. Who in this world is really hurting for you and yearning and striving for you? you know, as, as pastors, we, we care about you. And, and here's the reality too, that there are pastors that, that are out there. There are leaders out there in the world Jesus said, they're even coming in my name saying, I'm he. Right? So um, we want you to be equipped to handle everything that the world brings. And, and how do we decipher? How do we know between who's seeking my best interest and who isn't? Well, anyone who's trying to point you to glory outside of Christ, that's off. Anything that doesn't um, fall under or make sense of the cross of Christ, that's off. That's why we hang a cross in our churches, right? To remind ourselves that, that everything should be examined under the light of, of Jesus. You know, suffering in our lives makes sense, doesn't it? Jesus said, if you want to come after me, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Our life is going to have pain and suffering even as we await the hope of glory. Jesus helps us make sense of everything. You know, Paul said it this way. He said, I'm saying all this so that no one deludes you through plausible arguments. He says, you know, 
He doesn't say deludes you with lies. He doesn't say deludes you with silliness or myths. He says plausible arguments. You know, there's a lot of smart people out there who are making sense of their lives without Jesus. There's a lot of brilliant people out there who are putting their lives together without Jesus in the middle. They have arguments. Right, and Paul is, is working to make sure people are equipped and ready and know how to make a defense well, and live out the mystery. The way of Jesus doesn't make sense in this world. His life is a mystery that your life is revealing. It doesn't make sense that there's a God over all this stuff who didn't just leave it alone but decided to give up heaven to come to earth, but that's our God. Who embraced our brokenness, who's drawn close to us. That's the mystery, Christ. The God-man, the Word made flesh, who not just took on our brokenness and drew near to our brokenness, but defeated our brokenness through his death and resurrection. There's nothing more compelling or, or true than that. The world, the world doesn't get it. Jesus' disciples were a little obsessed with that, weren't they? Hey, tell us what's going to happen, what's it going to look like? What's this world going to look like? And Jesus said, what? Be on your guard. Right? Prepare yourself. Be ready to endure. Right? So there's a lot of craziness going on in the world, and there always will be. Jesus and Paul, they say, get yourself prepared. Work on your heart. And as Paul finishes this section of his letter, he says this, um, although I'm not with you, I'm with you in spirit, Rejoicing to see two things, your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Your order and faith. Order is, is basically our structure, our, our calendar, the way we, the way we um, organize ourselves. Right? So how are you structuring your life? Is the word of God woven into your week? Is prayer part of your day? Is, is being in community with other Christians a an important aspect of your time? Is your life ordered under Christ? Paul rejoiced to see that in the, in the Colossian Christians. And, and that's part of how we reveal the mystery of Christ in the world, by ordering our lives according to his way and not the world's way. Because the world definitely has a program and an order how you can structure I was just saying, you know what, tomorrow should be a national holiday. The day after the Super Bowl, you know, it would make sense. We could order time a little bit differently, give us all the day off after this. Super Bowl's basically a, you guys are all Packers fans, right? Like, we're forgetting about the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, yeah. Order your life uh, around Jesus. The world doesn't get it, but that's okay. The second thing, faith. And what is faith? Faith is unshakable trust. And, and it's clinging not to our own ability to reason or think it all through. It's not clinging to, um, it's not clinging to our, our gifts and abilities or, or to get things done, right? It's clinging to the God who's done it all. It's trusting in him above all things. Jesus 
is a mystery that your life is revealing. Paul said his intentions. His intentions were this, that believers' hearts would be encouraged. Your hearts would be encouraged today as you prepare to go out in the world. And I want you to know that God's calling you to live out his glory in the world and that your life is a mystery. It's revealing the love of Jesus. You may not be called to be a pastor. That might not be your story. And it's completely perfect. Because you're called to be an encourager in this world, to be a revealer of the mystery that it's Christ in you. Everywhere you go, Christ goes to. So go. Be here in the world. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. We'll see you next week, and God bless.